Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and I've got a huge show lined up for you guys this morning. And as always, if you want to call on in, get any of your thoughts in on anything sports-related, pro, college, high school, you name it, we're here for you. Be sure to call it in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Got a couple of great guests. As always, got my usuals, Lou Bedjack joining me at 8.30, and then Ian Guerin from Maori News coming on at 9 o'clock. Have a lot of things to talk about with them on the high school front, but starting things out for the first half hour, we'll talk some NFL and we had a big game last night and a big talk, a couple of big talking points uh, when it comes to the local hometown team, that being the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but before we start on that, just wanted to talk about a few other storylines that I saw uh, over the week. And one that I actually saw last week right after I got off the air. 
in regards to last week's Thursday night football game. And that is, according to uh, originally um, David Tyree, who used to be the Giants kicker, uh, he reported this on Twitter. According to a, a Giants source, they watched the tape after that, you know, what 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 would have been a game-ending missed field goal uh, by Washington that was called back on an offside. According to the Giants officials, they were not offside uh, during that game-ending kick. And, you know, I'd, I'd have to go. I, I watched it a little bit. I did try to watch it. Again, I watched it back. Um, and it was close. There was a lot of debate on Twitter, uh, them talking about how, you know, he, he just made the perfect jump, or some people said that he was a little offside. It was incredibly close. And I know, I know that the NFL, you know, there, you know, obviously you can't challenge penalties anyway. But of course, you know, unfortunately, the NFL isn't going to go back and and fix their mistake. They're not going to say, "Oops, we were wrong." But this brings me to an interesting point that I I've brought up before. Before, never on this show, but I've brought up before over uh, my time on the air, uh, and it's what I would like to call the Armando Galarraga effect, or the the Armando Galarraga rule, in in my opinion. And for those of you who may not remember, Armando Galarraga was the pitcher. Back in, I want to say it was 2010, 2011, maybe a little before that. Somewhere around that time, late, late aughts, early tens. Uh, he was a pitcher for the Tigers, and his claim to fame is that he has, the, he has, and I will say this until the day I die, he has the only unrecognized perfect game. In MLB history. He, you know, it was down to the last out. He had the perfect game going. Ground ball to first base. Uh, I believe it was Miguel Cabrera who was playing first base. Uh, He, you know, he fields it cleanly. Flips it over to Galarraga who's covering. It's a bang-bang play. And... First base umpire at the time, Jim Joyce, called him safe, thus ending the perfect game on the last out. And you could, because one of the plays that kind of jump started the instant replay rule, but you could clearly tell on the replay that he was out. And that would have been that. That would have ended the game. So. There's no debate on whether, oh, if he hadn't have gone out, would the game, you know, would the game have turned out differently? I mean, he got the second, he got the next guy out anyway. So it was a one-hit shutout. But in my opinion, 
in my opinion, when there is a when there is a bad call made on the last play of the game, that if the call had been made properly, the outcome would have been different in one way or the other. And now this only counts for, you know, last plays of the game. And obviously if something, well, this actually, I take that back. This leads me to, to the point that I'm about to make. If if the last play of the game is called wrong and it changes the outcome of the game in some way, then the league, and this is only for last plays, obviously, but the league should have the right to be able to go back to that play and say, yeah, we got it wrong. We're reversing the decision and giving the win or whatever to the rightful owner. So in Armando Galarraga's situation, it should have been Bud Selig should have said, yep, Jim Joyce made the wrong call. We're going to acknowledge it. We're going to hit a four. And Armando Galarraga officially has a perfect game, which is what I always do. This is This is why I call it the only unofficial perfect game in MLB history. Because in my in my MLB lore, it always will be. So when you know when you know however many there however many perfect games there are in in MLB history, you always have to add one. But in this case, and, and David Tyree even kind of made the joke. He's like, the only thing that the NFL is going to do is is send their, you know, their half-baked uh, apology to uh to the Giants from the from the officials office or the PR office or what have you. But what should be done, and of course they're not going to do it, if Roger Goodell and and the officials uh the the league officials office and all they them they watch this video and and it and they can clearly tell that that they were not offsides then say as much say yes we made the wrong call it was the last play of the game he missed the he missed the field goal so therefore we are awarding the win to the giants and even if the, you know yes a lot of you are probably saying oh you're a giants fan so of course you're going to say this no, even if it was against the Giants, or if it was any other team, I would still be saying this. If you make a bad decision on the last play of the game that affects the outcome of the game, should be made null and void and award the win to the rightful owner. Simple as that. It's not that complicated. And unfortunately, we're going to have to talk to talk about another thing that isn't all that complicated that seems to be hitting a a roadblock right now. But that's that's for the bottom of the air. We'll talk about that in the bottom of the air. But so that that's my thought on on that whole situation. Another story before we get to last night's game uh, and then get to the week three preview. 
Kansas City Chiefs have allowed the most rushing yards in the league thus far this season. Kansas City, yes, they've had a good defense, but they've, you know, for the last few years, they've been led and and carried by the offense. I mean, no disrespect to the defense, but, you know, that's just the truth. But this year, with them, you know, surrendering the most uh the most rushing yards in in the NFL right now and with the way the AFC West is going I mean it's still early get me wrong you know we're only 2 weeks into the season but this is not a good sign for the Chiefs especially you know now that they've lost a game to the Ravens If you want to win another championship, if if you want to try to get back to the Super Bowl and, and avenge your loss to the Buccaneers last year, this isn't how you do it. Especially with, you know, well right now, 2-0. Broncos are surprised at 2-0. Granted, they played, um, you know, a, a big, big, Team this year thus far, and the Chargers are, are at one and one, and they're they're looking strong as well. So the AFC West, which you know before looked like it was going to be okay, you know the the Chiefs have it in the bag. Now not so much. I mean, like I said, it's still early, but you know that's that's something to keep an eye on uh, throughout the next couple of weeks when it comes to the Chiefs. So now on to last night, and question was asked last night uh, amongst a number of people, um, and I don't think this was necessarily the game to do it because you know the Texans are in this unenviable position, let's say, uh, where. You know, they're, they don't have their, who should be their starting quarterback because of, you know, for a number of factors. You know, Deshaun Watson isn't out there. They, they already kind of said, even, even with Watt, this would have been a bit of a rebuilding year for the Texans. Uh, but especially without Watson, it, it didn't, Going into the season, you knew it didn't look good for Houston. So I I, I won't say I'm going to take this as the, the big determining factor game. Next week definitely is, though, uh, when they go to Dallas to face off against the Cowboys for the Panthers. But a lot of people went into this game thinking, you know, are the Panthers – contenders or pretenders after starting off the season 2-0. and And now they're 3-0. and And does this make this them a real threat this year? I'm going to say no as of right now. Obviously, the South is the, is the Buccaneers to lose at this point. Um, but, you know, I... If the Panthers continue to play well, 
could I see them making the what you know getting a wild card spot? Absolutely. Will they is the big question. Uh, you know, but there's a few things uh, to take a look at, and big ones, unfortunately, now are going to be because the the big one obviously is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, uh, as of right now, the initial report is he strained his hamstring. They kept him out for the majority of last night's game. Didn't hurt the Panthers because they still managed to win the game. But going into Dallas next week, this is going to hurt them. Because Sam Darnold, you know, he's been playing better, but I still don't have enough faith in Darnold at this point to say that he can lead this team by himself to a win against Dallas. Whether or not McCaffrey is fully healthy next week, who knows? A strained hamstring, it's not a serious injury. It's not something that's going to keep him out for the remainder of the season or anything. But it's still something, especially as a running back, if your hamstring's not 100%, that's going to limit you. And so that's going to be something that, you know, even if even if he plays next week, I don't think, now again, it depends upon severity, but I don't think you just simply are able to come back and and be able to go fully, you know, full tilt the next week. Now, the upside is that this is a Thursday night game. And thus, he has an extra couple of days beyond the full week to recoup and, and recover for the game against Dallas. The other plus side is that McCaffrey is, is a veteran now. And so you don't necessarily need him in practice every week. Or every day, rather. So, seeing him, I mean, I'm sure he'll take some snaps. He'll, you know, he'll do some things in practice. But primarily, this week is going to be him resting and recovering for Dallas. And I'm going to leave judgment on... I'm going to leave judgment on whether I think the the Panthers can make a real splash in the NFC this year until that game. This game was just, it, it's against too weak of an opponent to really say one way or the other whether or not the Panthers are legit at this point. Next week we'll find out, and I'll give you the full preview on that game next on next week's show. But that's that's the big that that's the big uh thing right there. Um you know, de- defense has been the key for for the Panthers thus far this season. Uh but while yes, defense wins championships, I don't know if that'll be enough without McCaffrey against better competition. Again, like I said, we'll see next week. We'll see next week. 
And and not to mention, I forgot to mention this. J.C. Horn is also out, and he w- he will be gone for a while, according to reports, because he has a broken foot. Something that you don't just come back from. So losing one of your better defenders, like I mentioned, defense has been the key thus far. But now with one of your top cornerbacks out, how much is that going to hurt you? And I can already tell you, it's going to hurt them a little bit. So that those are my thoughts on on uh, Carolina uh, this week and, and moving forward. Looking ahead to this week, um, you got a couple, you got some pretty good matchups this weekend, actually. Washington and Buffalo. Can Washington continue playing the way they have? Um, you know, they're. I mean, there's three teams that won and won, but they're they're at the top right now. Uh, in terms of the you know division in the but I don't know how good they are. Buffalo is also at one and one. Uh, I think I'd have, especially with this being in Buffalo, I think I have to go for Buffalo in that one. But that should be a fun game. Chicago and Cleveland is going to be one of those. Um, you know, another one, especially after what happened with Cleveland last week. Uh, you know, that's going to be another one that's going to the question is going to arise. Or is Cleveland a contender or pretender? Uh, I still think they're pretenders. I I still don't trust Cleveland. But at the same time, I don't know if I necessarily trust Chicago either. You know, yes, Matt Stafford. Um, or excuse me, not Matthew Stafford. Um, well, here, here's, the, here's the interesting question about Chicago. Uh, now is that uh, is that um, Nick Foles or or excuse me, not Nick Foles. Um, he he's the other backup. Andy Dalton. A- Andy Dalton went down, and he's going to be out this week. And the the assumption is going to be that Justin Fields is going to be playing uh, this week. And so Fields getting his first start. This is going to be a this is going to be a big game for the Bears, just simply on the fact of seeing what Fields can do in a regular season game. And this may be a you know I don't know if it'll quite be a uh, a situation, but if if Justin Fields can produce. You know, obviously you stick with them. Um, you know, I think this is this is a good game for the Bears to get to get Fields in the game to start off because I still don't trust Cleveland, uh, and I think I'm gonna actually take Chicago there. Baltimore and Detroit, uh, especially after Baltimore's big win last week against uh, Kansas City, I think you gotta go. With Baltimore there, especially with Detroit being 0-2. 
Indian Tennessee, that's going to be an interesting one because of uh, just both of those two teams trying to do something in the AFC South. Uh, Indy kind of surprisingly at 0-2. You know, the Carson Wentz experiment hasn't worked out quite as well as they hoped thus far. And I think you you got to go with Tennessee there. You got to go with Tennessee in that game uh, this week. Kansas City and Los Angeles. This is another interesting game because, you know, Kansas City is coming off of that loss last week against Baltimore. And they're trying to right the ship at this point. Los Angeles also at one and one, you know, Justin Fields getting his feet underneath him. And the question is, you know, I mean, they lost to the Cowboys last week, but they beat Washington prior to that. Is, are, are the Cowboys, or excuse me, are the Chargers ready to take the next step up? I think the Chiefs losing the way they did last week the Chiefs are going to be out for blood against the Chargers. It's a rivalry game, too. Chiefs are going to win this game. New England at New Orleans. Or, excuse me, uh, New Orleans at New England, uh, rather. You know, New Orleans is is a team that's still trying to find its identity. Uh, the Patriots are also trying to find their identity now. Uh now with Mac Jones at the helm, I think I'm going to go with uh, New England in that game, but I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be an interesting game to watch. Uh, Giants and Falcons, unfortunately, this is a matchup of two teams in the at the bottom of the barrel, uh, two dumpster fire teams that are just, you know, trying to figure out what's next for them, and I think... Uh, I, th- I think New York will be able to get this win this game. Call me a homer all you want, but you know I think the Giants will be able to win that game. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's going to win that game. Uh, Arizona and Jacksonville. I think Arizona wins that one. Jets and Denver. I think Denver wins that one. Uh, Miami and Vegas. I think Vegas wins it. Tampa, Tampa Bay and the Rams. That should be a fun one. Uh, to see, you know, whether the Rams can keep their hot play uh, going with Matthew Stafford. I don't think they can against Tampa. I think Tampa wins that game. Uh, Seattle and Minnesota, you know, Minnesota had 0-2, struggling a lot more than they thought. I think Seattle wins that one. And then Green, Green Bay and San Francisco uh, on on Sunday Night Football. Uh, you know, the Packers are going to be out for for revenge after what happened last week. Uh, but I think San Francisco has enough to win, especially with how well Garoppolo has been playing lately. And then Philly Dallas. Uh, I think. I, I think. Actually, I think Philly wins that. I think Philly wins that game. 
So those are my thoughts on all of this week's matchups uh, and my thoughts on last night's game and all of that. Come right back. We'll switch gears. We'll talk about some college stuff, talk about this week in college football and get you ready uh get get you ready for Saturday and and talk some other things when it comes to uh the college ranks right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central Yeah I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is matted black, got the bushes black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now, can't nobody tell me nothing. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as uh, we switch gears here to the college front. And before I get to the week four preview and talk about some Gamecock stuff, got to talk about the college football playoffs again and what what's going on with the potential expansion and unfortunately and and granted they didn't completely shut it down but it looks more and more like like schools are or or not schools but certain i don't know if it's commissioners or presidents or 
who the ones that are trying who are holding this up are. But there are certain people in that room that just don't seem to get it and are are thinking too politically about this. Um and thus it's it it's creating problems, problems. And and here and and here's the thing that I don't seem to get. You know, first off, before I get into it, let me just say, let me just give you the news part. College football playoffs committee met met earlier this week in Dallas, and all they said was that they're going to meet again next week to continue the discussion about expansion. Uh, after after meeting this week, so. It's news, but it's not news at the same time. Um, And like I said last week, while this should be very simple, it looks like ego and greed and just questioning everything is going to make this a long process. And like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, I might have mentioned it last week as well, the reasoning that I'm hearing behind why this is not just done and dusted already are just idiotic on their face. Now, one of the reasons I can I can understand a little bit on a on a logistical level, but this shouldn't be enough to hold things up. According to the reason why this is being held up is because that new alliance, ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, that group does not like the fact that ESPN is getting exclusive rights to to the expanded playoffs. They feel like it should be... Uh, bid on in the open market, allow everyone a chance to bid for it, which I agree with. I agree with that that principle. But I don't think this should be enough to completely kibosh it. I think what you should do is, if I were those commissioners, I would say, okay, let, let's come to a compromise. For the first part of this, ESPN can, you know, keep their exclusivity until the contract is up. You know, I think the contract's up in 2025, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, even if the expansion does happen before 2025, we keep the contract with ESPN. But once that happens, then, you know, it's open market. And you know, ESPN will probably outbid anyone, everyone anyway. This should put the complete kibosh on the expansion thoughts, because the other thing, kind of along the same lines, is the worry from those commissioners in those conferences that this is just a way for the SEC to expand even more, and to you know, they're going to get multiple bids. Which, don't get me wrong, that probably will happen. 
But that is why you put the stipulations in. And if you wanted to expand even further, and and this actually, if you really think about it, this wouldn't, well, this wouldn't help the those schools, though. I, I was thinking about saying expand it to 16 and make the make it the 10 conference championship champions and then six at large bid but that only helps a group of five teams that does not help the the alliance so they probably wouldn't go for that but the but even even under the current system even under the 12 teams at most and this is really stretching things. At most, the SEC could get seven teams in the playoffs if you know if it under the current guidelines that they're they're coming up with. And now, first of all, that would never happen. That would never happen. And second of all. Even if that did happen, which first off it wouldn't, let's just let's just throw that entire concept to the side. But even under the assumption, let's let's just play under the assumption for a second that it could potentially happen. Yes, it would say to the world that the SEC is the most powerful conference, but at the same time, like I've said before, it would have the base where because of so many teams getting in, a lot of those teams are dropping out in the first round. I don't care how good of an SEC team you are. And and now if the S you know and that this is why I think those commissioners and those presidents are being complete and utter idiots if they vote against this. Because here's the thing. If you keep the status quo, SEC still has a good chance of getting two in. Look at this year. Look at how this year has gone thus far. You know, uh, assuming both Alabama and Georgia stay undefeated until they meet in the SEC championship game, even if some of those other schools, like I mentioned last week, even if a school like Iowa stays undefeated, get in. I'm just I'm just stating facts here. I think that the committee would try to figure out a way to keep them out. And I'm like I said, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't think I am. So, if you really think about it, right now, it's rigged in their favor anyway. Yes, yes, someone has to lose that game, the SEC championship game. And that would put a blemish on them. But with the... Hey yo, you ready? Let's do it. <laughs> 
where it began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you Looks like I'm having some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, I have to uh, go on my phone for a second right now, but uh, we'll try to get this worked out in just a second. But uh should have Lou Beja coming uh, on in just a little bit while I'm waiting on him to call in, try to get this... Uh, Get get these technical issues fixed. 
we'll uh we'll try to get this under control can uh reload everything. But we should have this uh, under control in just a little bit. So we'll so see. We'll see, uh, uh, we'll see, we'll if, see we if we can get this uh, under, under control. control. Looks like. Uh, yeah, there we go. Okay. Now it's now I've got everything back under control in perfect time. Lou Joy Lou Bed Lou from the state. Joining me this morning, Lou, good morning. Morning, Brandon. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh you had a you you had a night last night. You uh where where were you at? You were at uh the Brooklyn Casey game last night, correct? No, I I, I listened to it. I, I didn't get I didn't go uh, to the game last night. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was gonna be pretty uh a blowout and it was yeah. um PC. Yeah, BC uh, blowing out airport thirty-five nothing. Uh, getting that, getting a bounce back win after uh, losing to Chapman last week. Um, first off, before we talk about this, you know tonight's games, playoff brackets came out for each. Uh, a few big changes, especially in four A. What are your thoughts on the new brackets? I mean, I, I didn't see much change. I mean. Uh, there wasn't too much changes other than they're back to normal, back to 32, I mean, back to 32 teams. I mean, you get a little bit of changes of as far as the brackets, um, who, which region would have home field if they keep winning that. that that's the biggest thing. Um, but I, I didn't see too many uh, uh, changes. Uh, you might get a couple at-large. I mean, lower state probably get more at-large, a little bit consideration in 4A, but I just not too much uh, uh, differences than in the past. Uh, the the big uh, mat, or the big uh, games to keep an eye on tonight uh, in the Midlands. First time back on the field for both Gray Collegiate and Ridview following Gray's big upset uh, a couple of weeks ago. Both teams facing off against some stiff competition. Do you see Gray yeah, potentially? Gray. Yeah, Gray's going to Gaffney. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. I mean, they they added the game. They were uh, they were looking for a game last week, uh, but um, they, technically last week was their bye. They were going to try to maybe play last week and then not play uh, this week going into region play. But uh, Gaffney, uh, they couldn't find find some opponents locally, and so they went um, and they got got a big one against uh, Gaffney. Um, it's it's a win-win for them. You get to play against good competition. Uh, it helps their program a little bit. They they get a little bit of money um, as far as the deal goes, and uh, it should be a fun a fun game for them and see what see what happens. And uh, Ridgeview, um, they they were in quarantine last week uh, after losing to Gray, and now um, they, they'll uh, host Dorman, which uh, is one and two, which. Dorman's coming off two weeks of not playing and in quarantine after uh, they they lost to Fort Dorchester, so it should be a good matchup. Uh, Ridgeview got a big one next week uh, going to Northwestern, so this will get them ready uh, for that. Could you see Gray potentially doing it again tonight against Gaffney? Probably not. Just the 
depth. I don't think. I think they'll be able to score and they'll be able to um, put some points on the board. But I just don't think, in the long run, they um, they they can get it done. I wouldn't be surprised though if Ridgeview beat Storman though. I mean, I Ridgeview, uh, like I said, coming off the week off, the loss, uh, they're going to be ready to play and against a kind of a rusty dormant team that's got to make the long trip this way. So uh, we'll see. Uh, should be a, should be a fun – both of them should be a fun uh, matchups for sure. There's another big matchup uh, down in 3A in Region 4 tonight. We, we already talked about how chaotic that region is uh, a couple of weeks ago. But two unbeaten teams in region play, Fairfield Central and Lower Richland, coming out of this one and do you think this is going to be the matchup that's going to determine uh who who wins the region and what are some of the keys for this game yeah i like low richland even though they're on the road um it should be a good matchup i think both teams got good offenses uh, i think lower richland's defense is a little bit better than fairfield fairfield had trouble stopping keenan um running game last week and, and I, I think um I mean, they ended up winning, but I think Fairfield or Lower Richland with the two backs, uh, Pearson and um, uh, Jeremy Barney, will be able to get it done. They're pretty big up front, and they got a good they got good skill guys at quarterback and receiver too, with Adams, and then you got Nate Branch and that. So I think a little bit more playmaking on Lower Richland side, though, able to get it done tonight. Do you think whoever do you think? It- Assuming Lower Richland wins this game, or you think they're probably the odds-on favorite to win the whole region? Yeah, now? whoever wins this game, I think, is definitely the favorite because they still have a game against Mid-Carolina. You assume they, the winner of this would win that one. So he got three wins. So, you, I mean, Lower Richland would still have Keenan left. But, I mean, so uh, definitely in the driver's seat. Uh, for sure a playoff spot, I mean, with – that many teams getting in, so uh, playoff spot and definitely in the driver's seat for the region. What are some other games around the area to keep an eye on tonight? Uh, Chapin and Flores should be really good. I mean, both teams are ranked high. Flores number one in 4A, Chapin undefeated in 5A, and uh, uh, dynamic offense, we know what Chapin has, and Flora. Laura struggled on offense last week. I mean, managing just three points against a good Camden defense, but that's going to be a little concerning. Um, Chapin doesn't have the defense of of um, Camden, but uh, they definitely can score, and uh, their their team will be tested. I mean, Flora's only given up seven points all year in three games, so the, the big three of Bradford, Galloway, and uh, Short will be uh, tested for sure. Well, th- uh, where are you headed tonight? Uh, Chapin, Flora, most likely, unless I change and go to Dorman Ridgeview. I'll probably be in Ridgeview a couple weeks when they play uh, Spring Valley. So uh, that's probably where I'll be tonight. Well, that should be a good game. Bo- all, all of those games should be good games tonight. Lots of uh, good action. Yeah, it's one of the better weekends we, we had for sure. Oh, yes, that is for sure. Well, thanks a lot for joining me uh, this morning, Lou, and uh, have fun over at Florida tonight. Thanks. Appreciate it. That was Lou Bejek from the state joining me. And, you know, yeah, a, lot, a very fun weekend. Very fun weekend in the Midlands uh, this week. Uh, 
you know, lot, lots of fun games and, and a lot of fun games here, uh, here on the Grand Strand as well. Um, before I go into some other uh, news and notes around the area um, and and this uh, this week, actually, before I go into the uh, rankings and everything, uh, let me talk about um, you know Lou mentioned that there weren't too many changes in the playoff brackets, but a few changes, a few notable changes that I noticed. Uh, at least the biggest takeaway for me, and, and I'll talk to Ian Garen about this in a little under a half hour in about 20 minutes, is how Region 6 4A and Region 7 4A now have five teams in each region getting in, and then obviously the two at-large bids. They could get six of their seven teams into the playoffs. And I I talked about this last year. I preferred them doing, you know, at most maybe a 24-team bracket, you know, the top two teams plus, you know, a couple of at-large bids. Um, Because this just feels like it, at least to me, I understand all that. But it just really the regular season when you go into the season, and I mean, this is the problem with all classifications. I mean, look at 5A right now, where four of the five teams in each region make it. And if you're one of the lower-end teams, you know already, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs. Now it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, who, you know, obviously you're wondering who you're going to face. And also, you're wondering if you're going to have home field advantage. But all in all, you know, going into the season, okay, we're we're at least more than likely, unless you're one of the the bottom teams in your region, you already know that you're going to get at least one playoff game. And so, that's something like I I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I get why they do it um, on a number of different levels. You know, they want to give these kids that playoff experience and all that. And it's a revenue builder for the the teams that are winning. All of that. I I get all of that. But I just, I feel like there should be a balance with it. That's just my thought. That that's just my thought thought on the matter. Um, but you know, that that that's just how I feel when it when it comes to that. Uh, going through the media poll for this week, real quick. Uh, in five A, Dutch Fork not moving anywhere. They're still at number one with fourteen first place votes. Fort Dorchester at two. Gaffney at three. Bl Hannah at four. Tappan at six, Ridgeview at seven. Riverside jumped all the way up from not being ranked to eighth. Woodmont jumped up from ten to nine. Dorman dropped from eight to ten. Also receiving votes dropping from nine is Ashley Ridge. Also receiving votes Sumter, Malden, Goose Creek, Lexington, Spring Valley, and Spartanburg. 
In 4A, AC Flores still out with 12 first place votes. Myrtle Beach jumps up from three to two with one first place vote. South Point jumps up from four to three with one first place vote as well. Greenville drops from two to four. After their loss, West Florence jumps up from 10 to five. Greenwood drops from five to six. South Florence drops from eight, or excuse me, actually jumped up from uh, eight to seven. Uh, Catalba Ridge jumped from uh, nine to eight. Buford jumped from, uh, or dropped from seven to nine. Indian Land jumped up from not being ranked to 10th. Dropping down out, out of the polls from six is North Merrill Beach after their loss to Hartsville last week. Also receiving votes York, Hartsville, Irmo, and Lancaster. 3A, Daniel at one with 14 first place votes. Dylan at two with uh, excuse me, with no first place votes. Clinton jumps up from six to three. Camden drops from three to four. Chapman at five. Ainer jumps up from seven to six. Brooklyn Casey dropped from four to seven. Gilbert at eight. Powderville jumped up from ten to nine. Laura Richland jumped up from not being ranked to ninth. Chester dropped down from nine to in the votes. Also receiving votes, Keenan, Fairfield Central, and Seneca. In 2A, Abbeville at one with 13 first-place votes. Great Collegiate at two with one first-place vote. Marion jumped up from four to three. Silver Bluff jumped up from five to four. Barnwell jumped up from six to five. Saluda dropped down from three to six after their loss to Redbun County. Timberland jumped up from nine to seven. Andrews dropped down from 7 to 8. Wade Hampton jumped up from 10 to 9. And Philip Simmons dropped from 8 to 10. St. Joseph and Christchurch, who were both tied for 10th last week, dropped down into the receiving votes category. Also receiving votes, Andrew Jackson, Landrum, Woodland, and Newberry. And then finally rounding things off in 1A. Southside Christian at one with 14 first-place votes. Surprise, surprise. Vanderbilt at two, Whitbridge at three, Lamar at four, Lakeview at five. Blackville Hilda dropped down from five to six, from nine to seven. Louisville at eight. Tied for ninth, dropping down from seven is Great Falls. Jumping up from ten to tied for ninth is Hannah Pamplinko. And jumping up from not being ranked to tied for ninth is Baptist Hill. Also receiving votes, Dixie, Wagner Sally, Carver's Bay, Denmark Olar, and Johnsonville. And since I was, since apparently I was off the air, I had some issues uh, earlier when I was talking about this stuff. Kind of go over what I was talking about in the last half hour uh, before, um, uh, you know, and and Ian had a great uh article on it earlier this week. Um I'm sure he'll he'll talk about it a little bit comes on in, in thirteen minutes. Due to the NCAA restrictions and you know, the transfer portal expansion, uh this season has been much slower than usual when it comes to offers. And I'm sure you guys have noticed because, you know, even last year there were you would get five or six offers each week. 
This week, there's only been three offers around the, the entire state. Uh, some other high school notes that I mentioned earlier. Um, game cancellations has, have slowed down a lot this week, you know, but still a few. Uh, Battery Creek versus Ridgeland Hardyville was canceled on Monday due to rain, and that's something that we here on the coast are going to have to worry about over the next couple of weeks uh, with Hurricane Sam bearing down on us. You know, still a few weeks out. It's not the the latest tracker. You know, it's you know it's the furthest it goes is just east of the Caribbean, and that's not until Wednesday, but it's on a on a collision course for us. And as of right now, it looks like it's going to be big. So definitely something to keep an eye on, um, you know, not only for when it comes to the football season, but also just overall safety and everything. Uh, but, you know, uh, Saluda and Mid-Carolina was canceled. Ladd and Mullins was canceled. Ladd is now playing C.E. Murray uh, tonight. And then the big one, the big one this week that, you know, made some rumblings is and head coach Jamie Johnson from Hannah Pamplinko, you know, while looking for a new opponent, Voicing his displeasure on Twitter, saying, "Hey, you know, we we want to play. Why don't you?" A lot apparently, a lot of teams declining their offers. He said on Twitter, "All these teams choosing not to play. Do you really have the kids' interest at heart? If you can play, play." They called every one A, two A, and three A region around them, and I agree with it. You know, if you, if you're gonna play. Or if you have the opportunity to play, especially after what happened last year, you know, ha- you know, there was such uncertainty and everything. Now you have the opportunity to play. Play. Show show what you're made of on the field. Um, much fewer cancellations this week than in weeks past. Seems like each week we're getting fewer and fewer cancellations. Uh, and teams that have already, you know, a lot of schools have already gone through the main wave of COVID, and now it's you know gone through the school for the most part, and you know those who have gotten hit are in quarantine already. And also, it's coaches and players and teams trying being extra extra careful to make sure that they stay on the field now with region play starting. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something to, you know, keep on, keep, keep an eye on, uh, when it comes to, uh, things moving forward. So I'll take a quick break and I'll come back. I will have Ian Garen joining me right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Keep it locked right here.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, I've got Ian Guerin from Myori News on. Ian, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, we finally have uh, a full schedule of games uh, here in Orange County this week. Uh, how does that feel? Oh, yeah, if we can make it another 10 hours, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. It's always uh it's it's always it's always a question mark. Well, hey, look, I, I as of Wednesday, we had already made it further than we had in any of the first 5 weeks of the season. Now, I mean, you got to take the little victories when you can get them. I mean, it, it shows that people are taking it a little bit more seriously and you know, it's 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 a good positive sign and this is something that the kids and the coaches need right now cuz I got to tell you 2 weeks ago a lot of coaches were a lot of coaches were really at uh, peak stress level, um, trying to find games and trying to keep kids on the field, trying to know who they would even have available to play. So, I mean, this is good. This is a step in the right direction for everybody. So, What have you been hearing from the coaches when it comes to that, making sure they stay on the field for the remainder of the season now that we are fully into region play? No, I mean, I, I, they're still wait and see. I mean, they're, they're still nervous as all hell about – you know, that next shoe to drop. And, I mean, look, we had seven of the nine teams in Horry County play last week, but if I'm not mistaken, three of their JV teams were out. Um, you know, like Hartsville last week, you know, they came over to North Myrtle, and Jeff Calabrese told me that he had to quarantine his JV team that morning. You know, so, I mean, it, it's still there. It's still uh, more prevalent than it was, you know, with game cancellations. I mean, this is – uh, 2021 has been by far the worst year in terms of cancellations and last minute changes and catch up planning that we've ever seen. It was worse than last year. It was worse than 2018 with the floods. Um, you know, it's, and, and I don't even think that it's close. You know, I think everybody's got kind of a renewed appreciation for when they do have, you know, the bulk of their players you know, able to, to put the pads on and go out there on Friday. Well, you, you mentioned, you mentioned 2018 and, you know, this is, it's still, it's still a ways away, but uh, since you brought it up, I guess we might as well uh, talk about another, you know, looming elephant in the room that's about to, you know, potentially hit us. Uh, I don't know if you've been, you know, if you follow it as much as I do, but, Hurricane Sam, if you look at the tra- trajectory, not for another couple of weeks, but it could be coming in for a direct hit. What kind of plans, you know, like you me- you know, you mentioned on Twitter where, you know, uh, in-, in years past with hurricanes, it's knocked out the season for a couple of weeks with flooding. How are they, how are teams in the regions preparing for a potential event like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, it's, I don't even think that it's been discussed any more than, you know, any more than normal because Mm -hmm. it's not like anybody's out of the woods with, with the pandemic and quarantines and exposures. You know, when you live on the coast of South Carolina, you come to grips with storms real quick. You know, I grew up in Tornado Alley out in Kansas and it was, (laughs) you you didn't think about it until those sirens went off. You know, mm-hmm. here, you know, you're getting that advance notice. You have people like Ed Piotrowski that are keeping us so well informed 
and telling us every possible trajectory, you know, two weeks out. I mean, the yeah. fact that we have that kind of ability is a little insane, you know, but, but look, if we can take anything from 2020 and 2021, it's that people know how to adjust on the fly better than they ever have, you know, as far as football is concerned. I mean, coaches and ADs and parents and kids are, are bending every time they turn around to, to change their plans or whatever. You know, look, if we get hit by, by a hurricane or something or if we have flooding again, they'll just kind of deal with it like they always have. You know, 2018 was supposed to be the, and no pun intended, the high water mark for, you know, okay, this is the most stressful thing that we'll ever face as far as football programs. <laughs> you know, obviously Boy, that isn't the case. You know, obviously that isn't the case. You know, so, I mean, if they do, if, if they do and, and let's say from, you know, from Hilton Head to, to Little River, uh, you know, they have to close for a week or four days or whatever, then I'm guessing that there'll be a petition of the high school league to push back the, you know, the start of the, you know, playoffs so they can get it in. And, and the benefit this time around is that they've got some wiggle room. You know, with the championship games being played at Benedict, the second, third, and fourth of December, they do have some wiggle room. They can push those back a week. You know, if needed, north-south could be pushed back a week. You know, so, you know, there, there are ways of making it happen that it's not as dramatic uh, as it may have felt in years past, just because we've, we've been through everything now. I mean, we've, we, we've, we've had changes, game changes on the day of. So if coaches can do that, then, yeah, I'm sure we can push back the season a week if needed. Speaking of potential changes, with all one of the half of the double round robin schedule gone and only Sumter being able to play more than two games thus far, is the region coming up with any contingency plans at this point to, in case all of the games still are not able to be finished, uh, even with the double round robin format? Are you saying so, like, let's say that uh, St. James and Sumter, for instance, weren't able to play their two games against each other? Yes, because one thing that yeah. I was thinking about – well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, they've got, they've got a tiebreaker built in for that region should a game not be able to be played. So, like, if Conway and St. James, for instance, can't play either of their two games, they've got a tiebreaker scenario to still determine who would – who would be where in the final region standings. You know, there's nothing that says they absolutely have to play the game. Um, obviously, they want to play the game. You know, it's not like Conway, you know, it's not like Carlton Terry woke up this morning and said, gee, you know, it'd be fun only having four football games this year. You know, yeah. so, you know, they've got that built in. Um, you know, but the the next five weeks are, are, are the key to the whole thing. You know, if they need to shift teams around, to make sure that everybody plays everybody at least once, then they'll do that. Um, and then if they can't do that, then the next step is, okay, where did, you know, who beat who in what games, you know, so it's, it's there. Um, I know a lot of people weren't really happy with region six, five, a, when they decided to do that, but for their own self-interest, this gave them incredible flexibility. It gave them the ability to, give their teams as many games 
is humanly possible to determine who was the best team in the region, who should be that region's representative in its top playoff spot, who should be number two, who should be number three. You know, that's what they decided was important. And honestly, that's the kind of the edict that the high school league gave, right? I mean, they told the regions, do whatever you got to do to determine your, your region champions and runners up and third place teams. And they just happened to do it. And they, they did it in a way where there are going to be teams, um, you know, just the last few weeks of history have shown us there are going to be teams in region six, four, a, you know, Myrtle and North Myrtle and Hartsville and all them. There's a real good chance that a couple of those teams aren't going to be able to play a couple of their games in region play now because they've got nowhere to go. They have no backup plan now. Unless the high school league extends the regular season, which it does not appear that they're going to do, barring, you know, a hurricane, then we're going to have teams in that region that don't finish, you know, that don't finish their six region games. You know, and that's where we're at. Meanwhile, that 5A region, you know, they've got all sorts of contingencies. They've got contingencies on top of contingencies. And they may be one of the best positioned regions in the state in, you know, in five weeks to be able to say, yeah, we have a clear cut idea of who should be where out of our region. One thing that I was thinking about looking, just looking at the schedule, could there be the chance of schedules being rearranged? Because right now in two weeks under the current schedule, Conway is supposed to have a rematch against Carolina Forest from the games that will be played tonight. And the games mm-hmm. of soccer are scheduled to face off against each other for the second time in a row. Could we see the schedule be rich in both those games to make sure that at least, you know, every game that hasn't been played yet has the opportunity to be played? No, and I, I, I tried to just say that a couple minutes ago. I mean, look, two Mondays ago, I mean, St. James went into quarantine at something like 4.30 or 5 o'clock something at night is when they were alerted. And then I found out maybe an hour after that. And then by seven forty-five, the, the region had completely shifted its games for the next two weeks. I got a text from the region chair saying, Hey, this is what we're doing now. I mean, dude, it hasn't even been two hours. So yeah, they, they will shift if they need to, and they'll shift on the fly and their coaches and their ADs are all under the understanding of we're going to, take care of our five teams and make sure that everybody plays everybody uh, at least once. You know, I don't know if that would happen necessarily on a game day, you know, barring, you know, a couple teams going down, you know, and if it was later in the season. But, yeah, man, I mean, if if they need Sumter and Conway to play each other or Sumter and St. James or Carolina Forest and Foxy, whatever combination it is, you know, if if they need that to happen, then yeah, they'll make it happen. So um, you mentioned Region Six Four A uh, and they're you know being kind of you know up up in the air right now because they are so tight. Do they have any contingency plans in case games aren't able to be played in terms of how they would determine things? Uh, well, Brandon, real quick, every region in the state has a tiebreaker that they had to submit to the high school league in case, in, in the case that games can be played. So, yes, every, every region in the state, they were mandated by the high school league to turn in a tiebreaker. Wow. So if you've got two teams 
that are, you know, let's say that they, they only played, you know, they both, they both missed a region game and they've got the same record, then they'll just go to head to head. I mean, it's, they're not really reinventing the wheel. They're just kind of, okay, well, what's important to us, you know? So obviously they don't want to determine region champions that way. Um, but if they need to, any region in the state can do it. Speaking of 4A and, and Region 6, the, the committee finalized the brackets for the playoffs with uh, with Region 6 more than likely being able to get six out of the seven teams into the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that many teams getting in, and, and what are the coaches saying about that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to – I mean, they're definitely getting five. I mean, we know that. That's how they did it. You know, they kind of got rid of that Midlands – floating region where they could take a team from region four and put in the lower state playoffs. Um, and I think they did that because they were finding that teams were having to travel way too far. I mean, we saw that, you know, last year, I mean, Myrtle mm. beach had to, had to go all the way over to South Aiken for a first round playoff game. And, and obviously last year was, was wackadoodle, you know, anyway, but I think that's what they're trying to do is trying to get rid of some of that first round travel, if at all possible. I think that Region 6-4A getting automatically getting five teams in, it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, they were anyway. I mean, the, the, the top at-large team from the lower state is always the next out team from this region, and there's a yeah. reason for it. It's because Myrtle and North Myrtle and West and South and, and Hartville are traditionally all pretty good. I mean, Wilson's, Wilson's down this year. You know, Wilson is down this year. But, you know, next year they could, they could pop right back up. You know, Darlington has, has been struggling for the last five years. You know, I don't know if they're going to change anything. So, I mean, really what you're talking about is can Wilson, you know, get two wins to be a sixth playoff team? And if they do, they're going to go on the road and they're going to be playing one of the best teams in, the, in class five, you know, class 4A. So that's, it's not really any different um, as far as, you know, how much consideration region six is getting. It's just kind of saying, you know, the big thing to them is like, okay, our fifth team is going to be better than most, most regions fourth or fifth best team, you know, almost every, every year. That's how it's going to shake out. You know, I think for them, it kind of takes some of the, you know, maybe some of that fear factor, um, you know, out of it when you're, when you've got two weeks to play and you're sitting in fifth place, you know, it's going to come down to this year, you know, maybe a team like North Myrtle or, you know, Hartsville or somebody like that saying, okay, did we beat Weston or Wilson and Darlington? And if they did, then they can feel real good about getting to the playoffs. And then once they get there, who knows, you know, but again, this region has earned it. You know, it's, it's the best for a region in the state. It's, it's, yeah. it's not close, you know, them getting a 15 guaranteed, you know, it's it's good for them, but they've also kind of earned it already too. La- the big news last week was that the Shrine Bowl was canceled again for this season. First, what has been the reaction around the Grand Strand about the announcement, and then what does this mean for the next game? I know it's already on. I know it's still on, but does it impact them at all? Well, it absolutely impacts, and you know, I wrote a story last week about it. Um, you know, the biggest thing that it does is, you know, the, the Shrine Bowl is going to still 
announce its players, it's still going to honor the 44 kids from South Carolina and 44 from North Carolina. But without a game to play, they're not locking those kids into anything. You know, so now what that means is the Shrine Bowl is going to go ahead and hand out their, their trophies and, you know, their plaques, whatever they give the kids, you know, this year, saying congratulations, you were selected. But it's not going to tie those kids to a game. So the first thing the North-South game is going to do is say, okay, well, those kids are fair game. We're going to select them. You have a possibility of the very best North-South roster that that has been put on the field in my time doing this here. You know, and, and look, obviously, I, I work as the media director for the North-South game, too. Um, I'm not just saying that to say that. I mean, you could potentially have – Jaden Lucas from, you know, from Greenville or Malden, I'm sorry, who's a Clemson commit covering Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach, who's a Clemson commit in the North-South game. You're talking about the two kids that we at Prep Red Zone named as the top two seniors in the class of 2022 playing against each other in North-South. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. We haven't, we haven't had that kind of thing in Myrtle Beach for these games. You know, we have gotten traditionally very, very good players. You know, Leonard, who's playing with the Colts now, was was one of the best um, the best players that I saw in North South. We've had a couple others, you know, pop up, but traditionally, the the best players around the state aren't coming to the Grand Strand. They're going to Spartanburg, and it's because Shrine Bowl picks first. It's because they, you know, it's kind of been the 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 top top game, you know. But them deciding not to play this year, it's it's going to make North South much more interesting in terms of uh, recruiting, in terms of talent on the field, in terms of fan interest. You know, going and seeing, you know, this is kind of what beach ball was built on years and years ago. People around Myrtle Beach don't get an opportunity to go see big time college basketball or you know NBA basketball down the line. You know, but if they hear, oh yeah, this kid has got, you know, a real good shot of making the NFL, maybe they come buy a ticket to the game. You know, just, you know, that that is my unbiased opinion about it, that the more talent you put on the field, the, the more people might want to come into the stands and see that game. And And clearly, when the best players from the state are being sent four hours away, a lot of the fans from Myrtle Beach aren't going to do that. You know, a Sox fan isn't going to get in his car and drive four hours to go see Hunter Renfro play in the Shrine Bowl, you know, when he's had the opportunity to go here. But if he's got an opportunity to see him one more time in Myrtle Beach, yeah, maybe that, that sounds like a, a fun Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely have to agree with that. Looking ahead to tonight and tonight's game, the big matchup tonight in Region 6-4A definitely is South Florence and North Myrtle Beach, both teams coming off of a loss. Uh, what are some of the keys to this game, and who do you see coming out on top in this one? Yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree with you. I think the bigger game in the region tonight is West Florence at Hartsville um, because that the, the winner of that game is going to have a real good shot at a top-two playoff spot right off the bat. You know, South and North Myrtle Beach is important because obviously South is the, the, the 
I don't know, relative new kid on the block. I mean, look, they've been good in the past, but I mean, they're, they're playing lights out football. Lenora Sellers at quarterback and uh, Ty McWhite at, at running back. And, and they've got um, Eric Robertson or, or Eric Cooper. I'm sorry, at linebacker. They've got, they've got some dudes and Drew Marlowe, thought that they would be good, but he thought that they were going to explode next year, not this. Those kids are all playing a year ahead of schedule. They're playing really well together, and they're mostly all sophomores and juniors, which means that next year everybody better really watch out. You know, as far as North Myrtle Beach, I mean, they, look, they took it on the chin. They've they've got to prove that they know how to bounce back, and they're going to have to throw some wrinkles at South tonight, you know, Otherwise, it, it could be an 0-2 start for, for North Myrtle. You know, Right now, if I had to pick, I'd say that South is the favorite to win that game. They're playing at home. They're playing on high energy. Their only loss of the year was a triple overtime loss to the number three or four team in the classification. That's pretty good. You know, They're scoring a ton of points. They're riding high. They're feeling confident. You know, um, Right now, I mean, it's, it's in their favor. As far as West and, and Hartsville goes, you know, Wes is just going to have to try to prove that it can control the clock and, you know, kind of punch back when when Hartsville does because those two running backs at Hartsville are really, really good, and they are running behind a massive offensive line. I mean, definitely the biggest offensive line in this region. So, you know, those two games are, you know, to me, I think are, are both very, very interesting, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be keeping an eye on both of them from afar. Uh, another the the uh, well the the third and final game in Region Six Four A, at least for me, has gotten a little more interesting now that we know what the playoff bracket is going to be like because this seems like this is going to be the battle to see who's in and who's out between Darlington and Wilson. Do you agree with that? Not necessarily. It's it's definitely who's out. I mean, whoever loses that game. I mean, look. Good job, good effort. You know, try to try to get the best out of you can the rest of the season, because if you can't beat that team, man, the other five on the schedule are gonna they're gonna start looking even bigger. Uh, you know, this isn't like you know two years ago when Darlington was an okay team and you know much better than their record. I mean, those two teams are struggling. You know, Darlington is struggling because it it just doesn't have a lot of players. It doesn't have any development. Wilson is struggling because, honestly, they they got a little shook when Derek Howard left and took the Ridgeview job. You know, they obviously had some issues getting people on the field all summer and, you know, working on skill, things that they needed to do, and they had some player losses. But, listen, whoever loses that game, I'm sorry, they're not making the playoffs. It's just it's not going to happen. And whoever wins that game honestly may not make the playoffs because neither one of them have a non-region, you know, win. And they're probably not going to get one. You know, if they schedule somebody late, you know, uh, maybe another game gets canceled and they schedule somebody late and, and get a win, maybe it could be enough to, for that to matter. But, you know, at this point, those teams have bigger problems than whether or not they're going to be the, you know, sixth team picked out of the region to go in the, you know, go in the playoffs and go play somebody like, you know, North Augusta or South Aiken, something like that on the road, the, you know, the first Friday in November. Uh, what the final game, non-region game, but 
in Region 6 for a big matchup between Myrtle Beach and Fort George. They're obviously Fort beating Carolina Forest pretty handily at, at their place. But now this is at Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach this year definitely better than Carolina Forest. What what do you see going on in this one? All the passing yards, a lot of points, uh, a lot of receivers uh, doing their thing, and a lot of defensive players doing their best to keep up. <laughs> I mean, these, these these two offenses are really, really good because they've got really, really good pieces in place, and they're very, very well coached. Um, you know, these are, you know, heck, there, there might be – by the time it's all said and done, 17, 18 college players on the field tonight in that game. You know, Ford Dorchester's quarterback, you know, we, we just moved him up to number two player in class of 2023 at Prep Red Zone. You know, he's that good. He's got every tool you look for in, in a, um, you know, in a pocket passer. He's big. You know, he's tall. He's got crazy arm strength. He's very, very quick to adapt. Uh, you know, I saw him throw a sidearm pass in that Carolina Forest game. He spun and turned and threw a sidearm pass. You know, that, that's, not, that's not things that most high school kids can do. And then, obviously, you got Ryan Berger at Myrtle Beach. You know, the, the kid's going on a full ride to App State for a reason. You know, crazy arm. He's gotten so much better since last year, and he was pretty good last year. You know, we're seeing – how good he can be when he's a hundred percent healthy. You know, people forget last year that he, he played those three playoff games on, on a bum ankle that had all sorts of, uh, you know, all sorts of devices and tape and just trying to keep him upright. He shouldn't have even been playing, you know, but he gutted it out and he played pretty well. Now he's healthy. Now he's got every bit of chemistry with Adam Randall. You know, he's starting to develop some other receivers. You know, Jake Doty is coming up. You know, he's he's turning into a really good slot receiver. You know, Malachi Washington at running back is starting to get some confidence. He's small. You know, he's only 150, 160 pounds, but he's he's starting to get some confidence. That offensive line is starting to play really well. You know, we're seeing what that could be. So that game tonight won't affect either one of their playoff chances. But, but man, it's going to be a good one. And if there's a better game around the state tonight, prove it to me. Because those two teams going out to Doug Shaw tonight are, are both really, really good. One game that may have an impact on, uh, on play contention, depending upon what happens the rest of the way, is the matchup between Carolina Force and Conway tonight. With Conway just getting on the field last week while the Panthers – coming off of their own quarantine. What can we expect in this game? Carolina Forest, the last four years, does not lose these games. They they find holes that other people can't find. They find weaknesses that other teams can't find, and they expose them. You know, Carolina Forest, I, don't, I can't think of the last time they lost a game where I kind of considered them to be the favorite. And I'm not laying odds. I'm not saying point spreads and all that. But just the team that I, I expected to win that game, Carolina Forest hasn't lost one of those in four years. They, they don't, you know, and I don't expect that to be any different tonight. You know, I would love for Conway to make this a, a real rivalry again and, and everything else, but it's, it's not there. 
And and part of it is just because Carolina Force is really, really well developed in on the offensive line. You know, they can just wear people down. You know, there's a real good chance tonight that, you know, you're gonna see a huge game from somebody like Khalil Johnson or Scott Saylor, you know, obviously, you know, he Mark's got a plan with, with Luke Janak and it's not to run him thirty times a game. You know, he's trying to make sure that he is prepared for the, the region games. Mark is one of the most boisterous people about calling non-region games, you know, preseason. You know, he calls them scrimmages. You know, he wants people, he wants his players and his coaches to have that mindset. This is your time to get better. You know, that's why we didn't see Luke Jeanette get more carries in that Fort Dorchester game, even though they probably could have used him a little bit better. You know, that that's, that's why we see some of those things. So Conway Again, look, we, I'd, love to, I'd love to see this be more of a game, but Carolina Forest is just better where it counts. And where they are better is also where Conway is kind of struggling. So, no, I don't, I don't really see Conway rising up and, you know, shocking the world or anything in this one. Speaking of Carolina Forest, uh, they, they, lost their, they lost the game last week. Their bye was supposed to be. Hello. Looks like we had some uh, technical difficulties there, having some issues on our end. Looks like we had some technical issues. We'll try to get this worked out to see if uh, if we can get it worked out. Not even sure if I'm still on. I'm not having any uh, any signal. Ian, can you hear me? Look at this. Ain't technology grand. <laughs> yeah, um some somehow my thing just cut out on me out of nowhere. Um but I, I got myself manually back on. But uh w- my final question that I had for you, um Carolina Forest, you know, they they were um they were supposed to play last week obviously but couldn't. Um and they're looking for a replacement for that week, for next week, which was supposed to be their original bye week, any update on that and the and them finding an opponent? I mean, not not that I know of. I mean, they're gonna. I mean, I imagine they'll see if there's an early, you know, region opponent that that goes down. Um, you know, and their opponent needs somebody to play. I mean, that, that's just kind of how it's going in that region. You know, so that's where it's at. I mean, even if they schedule somebody, I mean, let's say they go and pick up somebody like Buford, somebody that they scheduled late last year. I mean, if a region team needs a game, they're going to turn around and cancel that game and go play the region game. I mean, it's kind of like what I said earlier. They're, those five teams are going to protect their own. They're going to make sure that they're in good shape, you know. So, 
you know, it's going to be week to week with that region and, and planning much further ahead than that is just kind of a waste of time, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's asking me, you know, every five minutes, who's somebody going to play on, on October, you know, October 9th, dude, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And neither do the teams, you know, it's, there, there's been so much movement. And now that we're in the thicker region play, you're going to see teams that are, you know, that have not played region games yet. They're going to see, you're going to see them turn their focus to those games and make sure that they get played And the teams, you know, like Carolina force and Conway and Sumter and Soxie and St. James that have already maybe snuck in a couple of those sub region games. You're going to see that they're going to even close ranks even more. You know, they are going to make sure that they are protected. And, and when you have that mindset and these schools certainly do at this point, you're going to see some craziness the last, the last few weeks just in terms of, okay, we got to get this region game in. Myrtle and, you know, Myrtle and Wilson haven't played yet, and we want to make sure that, that Myrtle Beach has that game, you know, that they can go get that win, you know, whatever. You know, they're going to, they're going to make sure that that's, that that's the, the, you know, where really everybody's focus is, you know. So, no, I mean, next week, Carolina Forest, I got no idea who they're going to play. And, and right now I don't probably think that they do either because, again, if a region team comes open, they're gonna they're gonna get that game in. They're gonna they're gonna shift gears and make sure that those teams can play each other. Because now everybody in the region, everybody in the county has had it, had at least one quarantine. They were the last one, you know. So everybody's had one. Everybody knows what it feels like to sit at home, um, and they certainly don't want to be doing it in the playoffs because they couldn't, they didn't have an opportunity to play a game that they could get them there. Absolutely. Where are you gonna be headed tonight? I'm at Ainer for the de facto Region 7-3A championship game. I mean, it's just clear those two teams are yeah. head and shoulders above everybody else. Whoever wins is, has got the uh, a first-class ticket to the number one seed. So that's a that's a real big one. Um, you know, obviously I was there two years ago when, when Aner beat them, um, you know, and kept their undefeated regular season going. So I don't know if it happens again tonight, but uh, it's – it's just such a big game and for it to be, you know, happening on September 24th. I mean, you think of it this way last year, the high school football season hadn't even started yet. And our, we got our region championship for that region uh, tonight, you know, so it's uh it's an odd feel, you know, the teams have three games between the two of them, but man, they got some, they got some players and they, they've, they've got offenses that these kids have run forever. They know very well. They've got defenses that are well above average. So, you know, I expect it to be a good game. Who, who do you have winning that one tonight? Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting I'm not getting into that. I mean, I think if you had to, I mean, I think if there was a favorite, it's probably Dylan. But, I mean, they're the number two team in the state. So I'd probably say that if they were playing anybody outside of maybe Daniel mm-hmm. right now. You know, uh, matchup-wise, uh, they do – a lot of things very, very well that could create problems for Aner, but Aner also does things that create issues for Dylan. Dylan has not seen anybody um, that runs the ball like Aner since they played Aner a year ago. And it was a, I think it was a six point game. So, you know, these teams are, uh, when they're both good, man, it makes that region it makes that, that matchup really, really fun. It makes that, okay, which one of these guys is going to have a real good shot to make a deep run in the playoffs? Because the 3A playoffs are 
absolutely stacked this year. You know, you've got Daniel, you've got Camden, you've got Oceanside, which is all of a sudden really coming together. Um, you know, you've, you've just got so many teams that that playoff bracket is just going to be lights out. Every single Friday during the three-day playoffs, there are going to be so many good games with so many really good teams. It's going to be – it might be one of the more developed playoff brackets that the state has had in the last few years that wasn't in 5A. Yeah, that should be a good one. Um should be fun for you to go uh, check out. And to, I'm sure someone will be coming to Carolina for us, so just let them know uh, – I'll, I'll have some game notes for them. So, thanks uh, for joining me this morning, and uh, have fun over at Ana tonight. Will do. Have a good night. Yep, you do. Once again, that was uh, Ian Garen from Maori News. Always fun talking with him, and uh, you know, yeah, he he brings up some good points when it comes to Region Six Four A, Region Six Five A, and that's the way that things need to be. Um, whether it's now with COVID or even in the past, when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, you know hurricanes and stuff like that, you know we talked about the potential of hurricanes as well. Uh, you know, you just the you know I think these last couple of years has proven that schools can be flexible. And that's the way everyone needs to be. You need to be able to be flexible uh, in order to make things work. Um, so, won't, because we're running a little, uh, not really behind schedule, but, uh, you know, we've got, we only have, we have a little under a half hour left to go in the show. Uh, stay on for right now and talk about a few final uh news pieces and a little a, a few final uh, notes for this week for uh around the world of sports first off in the NBA uh Adrian Wojnarowski Woj uh tweeted uh earlier this week that Ben Simmons will not report for training camp and intends to never play another game for the 76ers hasn't spoken to the team since August yeah, that whole situation seems to be done and dusted. Ben Simmons is done with the Sixers. But the question I have now is, you know, he hasn't talked to the team since August. You know, obviously, you know, the Sixers probably just for, you know, just not in order to not have it hanging over them for the entire season, you would have to imagine that they want, yes, they want to get, uh, they, they want to get Simmons out of there just so that they don't have to worry about it and whatnot. But at the same time, by the same token, you have to imagine that they want to get into, uh, you know, they, they want to get into, a situation where they're getting something for him. And now with him basically holding them hostage, you know, how much are they really going to get for him when other teams know that they're up against the wall 
when it comes to this whole situation. Um, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to at least attempt to lowball the Sixers to see what they can do. And and the other question I have is, do, do the 76ers, I, you know, I know basketball, the contracts are much more player-friendly than they are in the NFL. Do the 76ers have any recourse in terms of doing something if Simmons does sit out and they don't get a deal done? Uh, or or is it even more so that Ben Simmons is ho- essentially holding them hostage and saying, I'm not going to play, you can't make me, and thus, you know, either trade me or I'm just going to sit here collecting a check. Um, you know, that's going to be an interesting question. I think this is the closest in the NBA that I've ever seen. Now, it's a different scenario, but it's the closest I've ever seen to a, you know, Le'Veon Bell type situation where, you know, uh, where he's just, you know, done and, and not, not moving an inch, uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, my final news of the morning, my final uh, talking point this morning, is we are into we are into the final week. Well, the final full week. There's a few extra days after uh, this. Uh, but the final full week of the MLB regular season heading into the playoffs. And uh, we'll take a look at the standings and, you know, what what each team has to potentially do in order to get into the playoffs and, and what some of the matchups could look like. Uh, the Rays right now uh, – the the Rays have clinched the a well have clinched a playoff berth have not quite clinched the AL East yet, uh, but have clinched a uh, playoff berth. Uh, you know the the Red Sox, Yankees, and Blue Jays are still fighting it out to see who makes it into the playoffs, and you know probably ne- neither one of the none of them are probably going to catch the Rays. I would have to imagine they, they'll probably clinch. Uh, the uh, division either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, but the Red Sox and Yankees are the top two teams. Rays are, or excuse me, the Blue Jays are right behind them. Uh, so, you know, it's it's going to be something to keep an eye on with, with those two. Um, Red Sox and Yankees, I believe, play the last weekend uh, of the season. Um, actually, I take that back. Or wait, hold on a sec. Let me let me look at this. I'm actually curious about this now. Yeah. Well, they don't play the last. Uh, they they don't play the last uh, series. They actually. That series against the Red Sox starts tonight. Uh, this weekend they play at at Fenway, um, and that series will essentially determine who's in and who's out. Uh, 
between those two teams. Well, both teams more than likely, barring you know the Blue Jays winning a series and making it a, an interesting little situation. Who the Blue Jays? Their last three uh, series of the season. Let's look at this now. They they're playing at Minnesota this week against the Yankees and against Baltimore. So obviously, you know, so the Yankees have two series over the next uh, two weeks, or excuse me, over the next week uh, that will really determine if they're able to get in or or if they're out. Um, I think they should be able to win both, but that's going, you know, that's still yet to be determined. But that that is, you know, those two series right there, Yankees-Red Sox this weekend and uh, and Yankees-Blue Jays next, basically will determine uh, who makes it into the playoffs. Mariners are still there. Uh, the Athletics are still there technically, but I don't think either one of those two teams will be able to make enough of a run, especially with, three of the five teams still in contention uh, being in the same division and having to face each other uh, over these, you know, next couple of days. Although it could be a situation where, you know, the Mariners or the Athletics are able to make a run, you know, go undefeated. Although I'm anticipating, let me look at this real quick. I'm assuming the Mariners and A's play again before the season ends. Yes, they do. Uh, the Athletics travel to Seattle uh, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to play. So that's, you know, that series right there um, will determine, you know, those three series is uh, Yankees-Red Sox this weekend and then Yankees-Red Sox or Yankees, Blue Jays, and Mariners Athletics uh, at the beginning of the week, uh, those are going to determine who make it in in the wild card. Uh, The Central is fully locked up. The the White Sox have clinched that division. Uh, Astros still technically haven't clinched their division either, but they're, I think, pretty much a shoe-in. Uh, in as well. So pretty much the only thing that hasn't been determined on the AL side is the wild card uh, with five teams still in in the hunt, technically. Uh, In the National League, the NL East is, is an interesting one. I think the Mets are pretty much out of it. They're technically not out of it in terms of the, the division or the wild card at this point, but I would have to imagine that they're probably not going to make it into the – they probably won't get the uh, the division, but the Phillies still could, theoretically, over the Braves. Um, and those two – those two face off uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, so those games are definitely those games are important, and then the Braves face off against the Mets in the last uh, series of the season, which 
more so would I mean, depending upon what happens with with the Philly series, may be more impactful uh, for the Mets than it would be for the Braves. But for both for both teams, I think uh, I think it, it it would have an impact on things. In the Central, the Brewers have already clinched up uh, the a playoff berth. Uh, but haven't quite clinched up the the division, but it, it should be a foregone conclusion at this point. They'll probably clinch up uh, either tonight or tomorrow with the Cardinals seven and a half games back uh, and the Reds 13 games back. And let's look at the wild card real quick before I go to the West uh, for the National League. Um yeah, right now, Phillies and Mets basically have to fight. They basically need to get in through the uh, division in order to get in at all. Philly, four and a half games back on St. Louis for the wild card. So pretty much, while it's not official yet, I would have to I would have to say the Dodgers and the Cardinals pretty much have the the National League uh, wild card lockdown. And yeah, uh, both both the Giants both the Giants and Dodgers have clinched a playoff berth, but now the, the now the big thing is going to be whether uh, the who who comes out of that on top. Is it going to be the Giants? Or is it going to be the Dodgers? With the Dodgers are only one game back on uh, on the Giants. But the interesting about this one, whereas a lot of the other big races have those teams facing off against each other, the Dodgers and the Giants don't face off against each other for the rest of the season. Giants are playing Colorado, Arizona, and San Diego for the next three series. While the Dodgers... The Dodgers play Arizona. They play Arizona, San Diego, and Milwaukee as their last three uh, series of the season. So, you know... I would have to say the Giants are probably going to hang on. Uh, But, uh, well, actually, yeah, I'm going to say that they almost assuredly do. Because whereas the Giants are facing off against the the three lower teams and very far lower teams in the West, the Dodgers, while, yes, they, they play two of those, they also have to face off against Milwaukee, who, you know, have clinched a playoff berth. Um, you know, granted, they may want to try to rest some of their starters for the playoff runs, rest some starting pitching and what whatnot. And that may help the Giant or help the Dodgers, rather. But at the same time, they're still facing off against one of the best teams in the league. So that's going to be that's going to make their road much trickier to get through than it will be for the Giants. Uh, 
Or excuse me, yeah, for the Giants. So yeah, I think you have to say at this point that the Giants are the uh the odds on favorite uh to win that game. Um so oh, one other little quick note before I sign off. Uh Dutch Fork's first uh Hall of Fame class was announced and Dustin Johnson was the uh big announcement uh for this week or for um for for uh their first Hall of Fame class. So congratulations to him and you know rightly deserved. Um but yeah, so that'll just about wrap it up for me uh this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Lots of good things to talk about. We are in full swing with everything. High school, college, NFL, football season is in full gear. Uh, MLB playoffs right around the corner. NBA and NHL season right around the corner. This is this is the big time for uh, for sports season. So uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and we will have all the coverage and all the talk for you guys right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. So that'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you guys next week. So long, everyone. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.